In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Today is the third Sunday of the blessed month of Kiyak, and as uh, I'm sure you've noticed, um, that this month the Church reads for us the uh, first chapter of the Gospel of St. Luke, and it tells us the narrative of the Annunciation and birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, and also the visit of St. Mary to Elizabeth um, this week. So the first week was the Annunciation of the Lord. The second week was the Annunciation of St. John the Baptist. Today is the, the visit of St. Mary to Elizabeth. And the next week will be the visitation or the birth of the John the Baptist. And then the, great, the feast will be the birth, of course, of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We see in this, um, uh, in this visitation that uh, St. Mary, although she herself was uh, pregnant and in need of somebody to care for her, she went and she visited her, um, her relative Elizabeth despite her condition. And I think we see a, a beautiful display of her humility. Uh, remember when the archangel came to announce to her, he called her blessed and he called her highly favored one. And she responded and calls herself the maid servant of the Lord, the maid servant of the Lord. You know, when we look at the media and so on that's around us, uh, and perhaps what one learns, you know, uh, in life here in the world, uh, it's contrary to humility. It's more of, you know, um, to fight for what you are, to promote yourself, um, and to put yourself out there. I mean, if you look at all of the social media platforms, what is it geared towards promoting oneself, right? Um, and self, this self-promotion. Um, and we often any, uh, are um, plagued with pride and with uh, um, considering what it is that we're wearing, the types of clothing we wear, the shoes we wear, how much money we have, the type of home we have. All of these have um, uh, their seeds, can have seeds in pride if we pursue them. So I'll speak briefly today about what is humility and um, what does it mean and what are maybe some characteristics we can learn from St. Mary about humility or those who are humble. Humility is one of those necessary virtues. Listen to what St. Anthony the Great says. He says, if a man lacks extreme humility, he's not saying just humility, but extreme humility, if he is not humble with all his heart, all his mind, all his spirit, all his soul and body, he will not inherit the kingdom of God. So sometimes we think of humility and we think, okay, I can act it out. I can maybe show people that I'm humble. I can sit in the back. I can walk next to the wall. But he's saying here, no, with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your spirit, if we're not humble, then we will not inherit the kingdom of God. If you consider a tree, a fruit tree, right? We say that the fruit tree is fruitful when it bears fruit. And what happens to the tree when it bears fruit? The fruit gets heavy, right? And then what happens to the branches? They lean, right? They lean so we can so we can get them. The tree that doesn't bear any fruit, its leaves are, you know, up high and you know, they extend upward. But the tree that is fruitful it, it leans down so that what so that we can pick it and we can be nourished by it. The same with the humble person. The one who is humble and who bears fruit, this fruit will bend down for those and those who are around this humble person will take of this fruit and be nourished by the example that uh, they saw. Um, also, the, the humble uh, being humble heals. 
in high humility we find healing. Uh, one of the 6th century uh, fathers, uh, Dorotheos of Gaza, or, or of the hermit of Egypt, he says the following. Um, he says, believe that dishonors and reproaches are medicines that heal the pride of your soul. Dishonors and reproaches. Again, consider what was being taught to us about dishonors and reproaches. He says, they're medicine that heals the pride of your soul. And pray for those who reproach you as for true physicians of your soul, being assured that he who hates dishonor hates humility, and he who avoids those who grieve him flee from meekness. Those who avoid those who grieve him flee from meekness. This is a powerful statement. So it's telling us, you know, here, all of the grief that we receive in the world and with our co-workers and so on and classmates, it says don't run from them, but endure because they are the provided medicine for us, for our souls. Also, humility gives rest to the soul. Remember what the Lord said, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. So the humble person finds rest, right? Um... So what is humility? Simply, it's the opposite of pride. <laughs> Very simply. C.S. Lewis describes it nicely. He says, according to the Christian teachers, the essential vice, the utmost evil, is pride. Unchastity, anger, greed, drunkenness, and all that are mere flea bites in comparison. It was through pride that the devil became the devil. Pride leads to every other vice. It is the chief cause of misery in every nation and every family since the world began. If you think of all the contentions in one's life, it seems they all arise from the roots of pride. I want things to revolve around me. I want to be catered to. I want to be listened to. I want to be obeyed. All of these you know, seeds of pride. And again, if we go back, the world's motto for living is survival of the fittest, right? Survival of the fittest. We often compete and fight for wealth and power, and we even fight against one another for these things. Survival of the fittest. Be the best. Compete with your co-workers to be the most productive. Don't share your work with your classmates so you can be number one. Right? All of these things are perhaps maybe not taught or said, but they're indirectly understood. I'll tell you a story of a, uh, of a camp for the second and fifth graders. It's not in our church. And this camp had, um, uh, it was just for the elementary kids, and it was, they also had a group of um, uh, special needs kids with Down syndrome also attending with them. Uh, you know, uh, they had their own program. Uh, during this camp, they had a game and an activity for the kids. And what they would do, they would uh, all tie balloons to their back, right? And then they were giving, you know, something to pop the balloons with. So the kids would just run around trying to pop each other's balloons. So with the elementary kids, imagine everybody had their balloon on their back and people, the kids were just running around trying to pop this balloon that was on each other's back or take it off of their back. So you'll find, of course, the kids were fighting and screaming. You have the strongest ones and the quickest ones and the most athletic ones. These are the ones who are prevailing, right? And to the end, you get to the one last person or the two last people and the one who's the most athletic and the most skilled and the most competitive and all, and all of this is the one who ends up winning, right? Then what you find is everybody else is upset except for the one who wins, right? 
So they played the same they they played the same game with the kids who had Down syndrome. You know what happened? They put the balloon on each other's back, and then when they started the game, all of them they turned around and gave their back to the other so they can pop and take their balloon off. And then when the last person took the balloon off their back, they all cheered and were happy. So we might look at these groups and we say these handicapped children are handicapped, but yet they understand a different way of living. They understand a different way of life. And perhaps we can learn from that, that we can all be happy when we all succeed, not when I succeed and the rest fail or the people around me fail. It's not about fighting against one another, but we should struggle together, not against each other, especially as fellow uh, believers and Christians in this world. Another point is that true humility comes from God. It comes from God. <clears throat> Uh, St. Anthony the Great says, For in the beginning, the thing that caused the downfall from heaven was a movement of pride. He was speaking about Satan here, how he wanted to be like God. And he says that this was a movement of pride. We even see Eve. What made her or caused her to eat from this uh, the tree that was forbidden was pride because she didn't want to go back to God for her yani, instruction. That's why Satan told her, you know, if you eat from this fruit, you'll be like God, knowing good from evil. In essence, meaning what? You will not have to go back to God to get your direction. Christ, however, was very different. <clears throat> he came to teach us humility. He came to us from his, the moment of his incarnation. He came to us being God in the form of human. He accepted to become a child, to live as a child. He accepted to be falsely accused and convicted and ultimately uh, be put to death because of this false accusation. And we also see on the Thursday, Covenant Thursday, how the Lord bent down to wash the disciples' feet. The one who was actually ought to be carried by the cherubim and the seraphim was kneeling down to wash the feet of the disciples. And you know how the world reacts to the humility of the Lord? The same way that Peter did. What did Peter do when the Lord bent down to wash his feet? Do you remember what he did? What he said? He said, no, 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 you can't wash my feet. Then the Lord responded to him. He says, if I do not wash you, you have no part with me. And this was the only way that St. Peter yani, uh, kind of uh, accepted the Lord to wash his feet because of this statement. But otherwise he said no. And this is what the response of the world is. It doesn't know how to respond to true humility. It runs from it, right? But true humility yani, uh, shows, shows itself and exposes um, perhaps the pride of man um, uh, wherever it is. Uh, so what are maybe some features <clears throat> of humility or, or what are some qualities of the humble person? We'll learn a couple, of, most of them from St. Mary. Um, the first one we, we learn is uh, from the Gospel of today. It says, When Mary rose in those days and went to the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. St. Mary, although she was bearing the Son of God, right? Certainly the far superior one in the wombs, right? Between her and her cousin Elizabeth, St. Mary had the upper hand because she bore the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the one who came without the seed of man, but through the seed of the Holy Spirit. Yet she's the one that went to her. 
She's the one that went to her and she's the one that served her. Although perhaps if we would think she would ought to be the one to be served. The humble is not interested in ranking things based on worldly value. Sometimes we get in this idea of ranking things based on worldly value. We'll rank things based on talent, on gifts, on abilities, on opportunity. We'll say that so-and-so is better than so-and-so, so therefore they should get something better. right? Or they'll uh, rank things based on quantity. So-and-so has more, so therefore more is better. But the uh, humble don't rank things like this. The humble actually, rather than ranking things, they try to raise everyone. If you think about all of the miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ did, whether it's giving sight to the blind, uh, um, giving speech to those who are deaf, uh, giving uh, the, the paralyzed the ability to walk, and those who were rejected, um, he gave them acceptance. What did the Lord do? He made them whole as himself. He made them whole as himself. He looked at the guy who was blind, and as he sees, he gave this man his eyesight. He looked at the man who was paralyzed, and as he is whole and able to walk, he made him as he is. Right? So the humble person raises the people around them to be like them. Right? Um, sometimes we're in, the, you know, we get the idea of humility is just to put oneself down, right, and bury oneself under the sand. But this isn't true. No, the humble person wants to raise the people around them. I'm able to be happy with those who are successful or perhaps even to promote the, su the success of others. Another uh, quality is this, uh, the more spiritual one is, the more humble one is. Again, uh, Dorotheos of Gaza says, the more the saints approach God, the more they see themselves as sinners. The more one approaches God, the more one sees himself as sinners. This can be kind of a gauge for my own spiritual life. How do I view myself? Do I view myself? I mean, I'm okay. Not too bad. I'm a pretty good person. Then no, you're, you're far, right? But if I look at myself and I see my sins and I understand my weakness and I'm a sinner, then things are in, headed in the right direction. I'll tell you another story of a leader of a small village uh, in the 6th century. So somebody heard this, uh, this quote by Dorotheos of Gaza, the more the saints approach God, the more they see themselves as sinners. But he didn't understand it. This little, he was like a, uh, head of a tribe. So one of the um, uh, villagers to explain it to him came and said to him, how do you see yourself among the village? Right? And he said, well, I see myself as being great. I'm the chief, I'm the head of the village. He says, yeah, you know, you're right. How do you see yourself when you go to Caesarea? See a big city, right? He says, I see myself as being insignificant, one among many people, right? Then he says, okay, how do you see yourself when you go to Antioch, an even bigger city, perhaps where there's more officials, right? Like going to D.C. Uh, he says, I see myself probably as a peasant, <laughs> right? Among all these people who are ruling, you know, uh, the empire. Um, and then he says, uh, how do you see yourself when you come near the emperor in Constantinople? He says, when I go to him, I'm like a beggar. I'm like a beggar. Do you see what happened? When he saw himself in his village, he thought that he was something. But then as he approached the higher ranks, he saw himself as being insignificant, right? The one who fears God is aware of God's presence. 
Therefore, if I'm always aware of God's presence, I'm like the, this head of a villager, the head of a household, but yet always in the presence of God, I look at myself as being a beggar. Right? Abraham, when he saw God, uh, when he was interceding um, with Sodom, uh, with, for Sodom and Gomorrah, right? how did he address God? He says, Indeed, now I who am but dust and ashes have taken it upon myself to speak to the Lord. So Abraham looked at himself as being dust and ashes because he, he, and he sees himself, he's speaking with God, so he looks at himself as being, I'm dust and ashes. Daniel, when he was in the lion's den for the second time in uh, Daniel 14, he says, did God remember even me? Meaning what, that he, he, was, he felt that he wasn't even worthy that God would consider his state, although he was highly favored by God, right? And he, at this uh, miracle, he sent him a prophet. He was in the, the, uh, the dungeon in, uh, in, uh, uh, in like Iraq and Iran. And he sent a prophet from Israel to come and give him food. So he was highly favored by God. Do you remember what St. Peter said when the Lord entered onto his boat and he had them catch all the fish and all the fish came on board and he realized who he was, uh, who was among him? What did he say? Depart from me, for I am a sinful man. When we realize that we are next or in God's presence, we have the same response. Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. The humble doesn't consider himself better or worthy or more worthy than others. St. Mary says, For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. She considers herself the lowly state of the maidservant, the servant of the servants. If we compare her with maybe a group of uh, the religious leaders at the time, the scribes and Pharisees, these were the only group that the Lord couldn't capture. Why? Because they looked at themselves as if they were worthy and they have attained and they have achieved. This is exemplified in the Lord's parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee. He told this in the presence of the Pharisees. So they see themselves. You know, the parable, you know, of course, he says that there's two people praying. The Pharisee says you know, of himself, I thank God that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, and even this tax collector. Um, I fast twice a week and give tithes of all that I possess. This is how he looked at himself. But then the tax collector, he went in beating his chest, unable even to lift his eyes. And the Lord said, this one left justified more than the Pharisee. So the humble person doesn't consider himself that he's worthy uh, and more, uh, or better than anyone else. Also, the, um, the humble, everything, uh, everything one has, he, he understands that everything that one has is given to him from God. She said, for he who is mighty has done great things for me and holy is his name. So she doesn't say, because of my serving the temple, God gave me this. Because of my dedication and doing the service in such and such a way, God gave me this in return. So she doesn't look at her service or what she offered to God as this is being a sign of recompense. Sometimes, kiddo, we, we do this. We say, let me come to church. Let me pray. Let me serve my brethren. Let me serve in the church so God can give me this. No, no, she wasn't waiting for anything. She didn't know that this was going to happen to her. This was a surprise, right? But she was being faithful and diligent, thinking that she's deserving of nothing. 
And because of this, God gave her the greatest honor uh, of all humanity, and that's to bear the only begotten Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, the last thing I'll mention in just two minutes. Um, this came from the Gospel from Matins this morning. If you remember the Gospel from Matins this morning, this was the uh, story of the Canaanite woman, right, who came to the Lord and uh, she came begging at his feet uh, because her daughter was possessed with an unclean spirit. And she didn't, knew nothing about the Lord. She was a Gentile pagan. She knew nothing. Um, but yet she came and she asked him uh, to heal her daughter. And he didn't respond. And then he, when he responded, he responded and said, it's not good to take what is you know, of the children and give it to the little dogs. So he, like, and he put her and he almost like insulted her, right? And then how did, what would she respond? She said, yes, Lord, but even the little dogs are entitled to some of the crumbs that fall from the master's table, right? So what happened here as a lesson of humility? It was the tolerance of injustice. She tolerated injustice. The world today has gotten so sensitive and the, with the inability to tolerate any injustice whatsoever. Am I saying we should promote injustice? Absolutely not. Right? Um, but what I'm saying is we, should, we shouldn't be also indifferent to injustice. Right? We should want justice. Why? Because our God is a just God. But at the same time, at the end of the day, the only place there will be absolute justice and right justice is in heaven. We live among corrupt humanity. There's injustice all over a place, and there'll always be injustice all over the place, from the past and to the future, right? There'll always be some kinds of injustice. But how do we handle this injustice? Do we tolerate injustice, or do I have this, I can't tolerate any injustice around me? Um, humility is to be able to tolerate some injustice. If you look at, for example, the Lord Jesus Christ, did he tolerate injustice? Sure did, didn't he? Right? He was falsely accused, and because of that, he was crucified. And do you remember what happened during the Passion? He didn't answer. He didn't answer. When they were accusing him and all the false accusation, he didn't answer. The only time he answered when they asked him who he was. And then he responded because he wanted them to understand that he was the Messiah, he was the Son of the Living God. And he responded. But when it came to his accusations, he didn't respond. Why? Because if he responded, he would justify himself. But he didn't want to justify himself. He wanted to teach us the, the, that we can't endure and we ought to learn to endure some injustice. The martyrs, did they um, uh, bear any injustice? Sure did, right? They did. Remember those 21 martyrs a few years ago? They were there on the, on the beaches of Libya. Were they treated nicely and fairly? Did they have a, uh, a court? No. How did they handle injustice? They bore it, right? They bore it. The Canaanite woman, it seems to be uh, there was an apparent injustice. You might look at this story and say, why did the Lord deal with her so harshly? Why is it that he almost rejected her, although maybe she did nothing wrong? She did nothing, you know, she, knew, she didn't even know him. But why is it that he dealt with her maybe so harshly? 
Um, it's clear here that because she was a Canaanite and a Gentile pagan, she didn't know the faith. She had no way of displaying her faith, right? Just like the Jews did. They can display their faith by, faith by believing in him because of all the prophecies. But this woman had no way of displaying her faith. So the Lord put her in, or allowed her or put her in a compromising situation and this would display her faith. When he exposed her to an injustice or put her in a compromised situation and she, he observed about her response, how she said, yes, it's also okay that we should eat from the, the crumbs that fall from the master's table. Then what did he do? He praised her and said, great is your faith. So this shows the intent of the Lord it wasn't to humiliate her, but was to expose her faith and then praise her faith, right? So because of her ability to tolerate injustice, she was rewarded. And then the Lord said to her, let it be to you as you desire. He didn't say your daughter was made well, but he said, go, let it be as you desire. If you desire your daughter to be well, she'll be made well. The main purpose was her healing and revealing himself to her. Then everything else came after that, and her daughter was healed. So those who are humble, they don't consider themselves um, uh, better than anyone else, but they try to raise those who are around them. And we understand that the more uh, spiritual one becomes, the, one, the more humble one ought to become. Uh, also, the humble doesn't consider themselves better or more worthy than others. And also, the humble... Uh, believes that everything that is given to them is given to them from the hands of God. And lastly, the humble um, are able to tolerate injustice. May the Lord grant us to, um, these uh, last few weeks of this uh, Nativity Fast to keep these things in mind and to live by them for the glory of His holy name. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.